The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. Well, it's Sunday morning. That means it's time for another Sumner County Spotlight with your host, Jeff Shannon, right here. Each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and we've got all the greatest guests that we can get here uh, coming through Sumner County. And one of my favorite guests of all time has to be this guy right here. You know, he's kind of a youngster. He's He's been around a little while, but he's a great guy. And I want to bring in Chief Scotty Bush with the Hendersonville Fire Department. Chief, thanks for coming in. Hey, thank you so much again for the opportunity to give some uh, information about what our department's doing and how we're growing and trying to meet the needs of our community. It's a great opportunity, and we certainly appreciate WHIN affording us this opportunity. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we're here for you because you're just doing so many great things, it's hard to keep up. I mean, it's just, and I constantly talk to people, not even in the county, they just rave about this fire department. So you got to be doing something right. Well, I appreciate that. I've got a really good staff, and uh, they work really hard every day. And uh, I'm fortunate, we're fortunate as a community to have the, the servant hearts that we do within our organization. Now that you have that new building over there, how is that working out? I know we talked about it last time, but it's got to be working out a lot better than it was. Yes, sir. It's yeah. uh, it's very, very nice. Uh, we've got settled in now, I think. Still some things we could do, some pictures on the wall, et cetera. But it's uh, meeting our needs. Uh, we have our own training room uh, where we didn't have that before. And uh, it just gives us an opportunity to uh, showcase our staff and our abilities. Uh, one new thing that we've done is uh, now we're doing uh, video conferencing for training classes. So nice. used to, uh, all the companies would come down to Station 2 for training, and then you would ha- still have to offer protection for the community. And so you would divide that up with three engines and another truck company. So now we can hold classes uh, live feed uh, and they get to stay in their stations and answer calls. And it just provides a higher level of protection for people in the community. Wow. It's all about speed and accuracy and uh, making things concise because with what you do, uh, time matters. Yes, sir. It's very important. And uh, folks, I think they understand that, but it does. Minutes matter when uh, we're trying to save property and lives. Now, the facility out off Drake's Creek back in there, is that up and running now? Our Station 7. It's not open yet. Um, Looks like we're looking at either the end of July, beginning of August. But it's moving along pretty well. Matter of fact, I think earlier this week they were pouring the concrete floors in the bay, uh, and they're getting ready to pour the concrete in the back of the station. And uh, the roof trusses are ready to mount, so... Once they put a roof on, then the weather's not, not really going to matter, and they keep moving along. They've done a really good job with the speed and uh, delivery of uh, building that building. So how many bays is that, one or two? It is three. Three? Okay. Yes, sir. We had yeah. a conversation at the okay. uh, BOMA level, and uh, those folks uh, saw the need and the necessity for that, and they were gracious enough to give us the third bay. It was between two and three, and uh, they, they voted to give us the three. So we're thankful for that. So what kind of trucks will you have in there? Uh, we'll have an engine company, and okay. then we'll probably store our reserve. Uh, and then also we have a swift water trailer and a uh, stru- structural collapse trailer that we'll probably put out there mm-hmm. as well. Now, you also have amphibian, right? You have the, the boat? Yes, sir. Our boat, boat is currently docked uh, at uh, Drake's Creek Marina. Okay. It's right there at the mouth of the of okay. the Ohickory Lake. Good place to be. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> so we have a- access to wherever we need to be in our 26.2 miles of uh, lake frontage. 
And then we have a couple of inflatable boats that we keep at Station 1. And if we have room, uh, room at Station 7, we may move some of that stuff out there. But we, we like location and, and the accessibility for those boats right there on top of the water sure. versus having to come, come across town with them. Yeah, absolutely. We just had uh, HPD's Mounted Patrol. Let me tell you, that's a fascinating program with those, yes. with those horses doing what they do and their senses. I mean, that's amazing. Do we see a mounted patrol for the fire department? I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, probably not. But I will tell you uh, a little fun fact. I'm, I'm horrified of horses. They scare me. Oh, you really? That's about the only thing that really scares me. But I was on one when I was younger, and uh, yeah. it got away from me, and I didn't know how to control it, and it yeah. absolutely scared me to death. They're powerful, man. Horses wow. are wonderful animals, though. They sense everything. They do. The HPD Mounted Patrol is a, is a valuable asset yes, to the community. Yes, they, they really are. The city as it is, I mean, of course, we are growing. We're getting more people all the time. Subdivisions are popping up. We don't have much land left to do all that, but uh, we have a lot of folks moving in here. And, and having a facility spread out like you do, I mean, you cover the, the Hendersonville incredibly. You could be anywhere within minutes. Yes, sir. Our goal is to meet the NFPA standard, which is within the first arriving company of four and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some some areas that we don't meet that right now. Uh, and again, we're working with BOMA to try to correct those issues. And obviously, that that creates money issues, you know, because the, the BOMA has to find the money to spend on those things, mm-hmm. and they're they're expensive. Uh, building materials have gone through the roof. But we are very very fortunate with the uh, Station Seven coming online. Hopefully, like I said, in the end of July of August, or August, and uh, how it's going to help the response times out in that area right now. I guess at uh, at headquarters there, I guess you're happy to have a new building, so. You don't have to fear that truck pulling in and the roof kind of wobbling around. That would have been scary. Yes, sir, I remember you a, telling me that. It was like, whoa. It was a little, little nerve-wracking for a couple of days there until we got the engineer to uh, come in there, and they basically said, hey, uh, you got to move today. Yeah. It's not safe. Caught, caught us off guard a little bit. We kind of knew something was wrong, Sure, uh, but we reacted quickly like we normally do. And uh, with the work of BOMA again, we found a, a location to move to and a place to relocate for our engine company up at Public Works, another, I guess, stakeholder within the, the organization that worked with us to afford us the opportunity to build a makeshift fire station at the top of their building. Oh. And it worked out really well because we didn't want it to affect response times in that mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ideal, uh, but we were certainly fortunate enough to have that opportunity. And I think it just demonstrates uh, the cohesiveness of the organization and how each department's always willing to step up and help each right. other. Well, I think it's the, the, the great thing about this. Is there's not a pushback from BOMA when it comes to public safety. I mean, we're forefront for PD for the fire department, that's how it has to be because the citizens have to feel safe. Sure. Yeah. I, I think the BOMA does an excellent job with that. I think they do support public safety. Uh, I mean, they've exhibited that over the last few years. Uh, well, I mean, several years, not just the last few. And it is. It's very important to people in the community to feel safe at night, to be able to, to go to bed and not to have to be concerned about if they're going to have police and fire protection. Well, and you got to keep a watch out of that Steve Brown guy. You know, <laughs> you know how he is. It's <laughs> kidding. I love him. He's great. <laughs> He's straightforward, though. Yes, sir. But he's public safety number one. Yes, sir. Always has been. Yes, sir. So as the department has to grow because the city grows and all these businesses coming into town, and which we have seen, there's different strip centers popping in, different businesses popping up here and yes, there, sir. and the new Costco coming in, that's going to be a different beast uh, to tackle. You have to have tools, and you just came on board with this uh, great new software, which I'm, I'm totally blown away by. Yes, sir. It's a Flow MSP. It's a very vital tool uh, for us to have access to and use. And then again, thanks to the mayor of board and mayor of Alderman, uh, they uh, financed that software for us to be able to use. Okay. 
Uh, it's a pre-planned software, so our engine companies and truck companies can go out in the community. I think we're sitting around 1,400 businesses. And that's, you know, churches, institutions, hospitals, mm-hmm. not just restaurants, strip malls, things like that. And we have a fire prevention bureau of five, and it's very difficult for them to get in all of these buildings within a year, on top of having to go out and, and do inspections on new things. So we, we thought it as a way to get in these buildings and do pre-plans every year that would eventually help with our ISO rating because we're in them every year. And it provides us vital information prior to an incident occurring in any of these businesses. Essentially, they have a laptop in the engine. They can pull up a business or when the call comes in, it's just going to pop up for them. Tell them what, what they're going to be seeing and what they're looking for, what the software is going to provide and how it's going to help them. Yes, sir. Yeah. So again, thanks to Boma, we got the uh, mobile data terminal, terminals, which is okay. basically laptops, computers and our apparatus. And so as we get dispatched to a call now, Flow MSP is a live feed into these MDTs. And based on the information, when we do our pre-plans, it'll give us hydrant locations. It'll give us Knox box locations, which is keys to the building. It'll give us uh, gas, uh, where the gas lines come in, yeah. electrical sprinkler systems. Uh, it provides key information. And as we're approaching the scene, uh, we'll be able to take our finger and swipe one, one left to right and that information will pop up for us and provide it to us on the fly, which, again, will help us make decisions as we're assessing an incident at a, at a commercial building. Sure. And you got, you know, minutes involved here. With you. If you have that information going in, you know exactly where you're, you're going for. If you're looking for a specific thing on that building, you just know. You just tell the guys, head over there to that left side or wherever it is and, and do it. And that's going to that's gonna save property. That's and correct. Possible, possible damage. Right. You know. it, it certainly will help with uh, mitigating property loss and uh, potentially save people's lives. If we know uh, if it's a nursing home and we know there's a, a, an area of where there's a larger group of folks that are at, uh, it could certainly help provide that information and, and where they go for refuge. And we would focus on those areas. Well, as with any software, when you first get it, it's the data entry that is overwhelming. Yes, sir. Now, you have, to take, you have to send people out, and they have to actually physically go to every business of so 1,400-plus, and they have to document this building, pictures, and so on and so forth. How long is something like that going to take? So typically the software, when that was introduced to us, you could use your cell phone. And a lot of folks are using their cell phones to okay. do these. And so they'll go out and snap the pictures. Okay. How we want them to do, we want them to go in and introduce themselves to the business owners. Hey, we're here to do a pre-plan. If it's not a, a good time, yeah. say like it's a restaurant, and they don't want firemen wandering around their building or, mm-hmm. or interrupting stuff, then we just simply ask them if there's a, a better time for us to sure. come back. So we certainly don't want to impede people's business. And then once we get the okay from the building owners, then we start that process. We start on the outside looking at the A side, which is typically the the street side or the front side. The B side going clockwise would be to the left. C would be the rear. And then D would be the the side on the right or the 3 o'clock side. And so we take pictures and we include all the pertinent information. So it gives us, we put in roof types, whether it's metal, shingles, what kind of beams they may have that holds the roof line up. Flats. Flats, yes, or pitch. If we know a pitch of a roof, which we're supposed to do that. Uh, we certainly can enter that information in. Mm-hmm. And then, as I said, as we're approaching, it helps the company officers have that building at their fingertips, and they can devise plans of what they're going to do. The truck companies know whether to get on the roof, get off the roof, not even get on the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the hazards that are up there, it lets us know about heating air conditioning units, where they're located. So if they're on a roof, those are potential threats 
to folks inside of a building if a sure. fire's been been burning for a while. Yeah, and those those flat roofs you got to watch out for. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, and they put a lot of those big air conditioning units up on there. Yes, so, sir. Uh. Yeah, the the fire load is what we call that, and it's uh it's pretty heavy at times. Mm-hmm. And so then you take that fire load and then you put it under stress from a fire. Then obviously you're you're looking at some catastrophic events. If we don't have that advanced knowledge and don't have the opportunities to do these pre-plans to know, hey, is this worth putting somebody inside of a structure? So if a, if a business is listening right now and they say, man, this is a great program, I, I, I need you guys to come out, can they call you and yes, do that, sir. or you just have a schedule you're just going to... Well, we have a schedule. Okay. We're asking folks right now to do uh, 10 a month, which is one a shift. They work 10 shifts a month. Okay. Uh, we don't want to overwhelm them, and we're, we're right in the middle of our annual training as well. Okay. We're doing some live training in Gulletsville uh, next week at their burn trailer. But they certainly can call our office at 615-822-1119 and either speak to myself or somebody in the Fire Prevention Bureau. Okay. And we certainly can move you up on that schedule if you so desire. Now, why somebody would do this, but if they just say... No, I'm not interested. I don't want you to do this. I don't know why, but it's okay with you guys. Yes, sir. It's, yeah. it, 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 we don't necessarily like it. We would right. probably try to come back with them from somebody from fire prevention and explain the, the importance of it and why yeah. we're doing it. Sure. We're not there to try to, uh, to enforce codes or mm-hmm. do anything negative to hurt mm-hmm. them. We're trying to do it to gather information to better serve them and ourselves in the community. Seems to me like a super valuable tool and why anybody wouldn't want to take advantage of it is beyond me. But uh, there are folks out there. I think uh, I think the importance is the education piece. Yeah. I think it's responsible for us to get the information mm-hmm. and like an opportunity right here today mm-hmm. to explain how important it is to us and to the business owners. I think that goes a long ways with maybe holding the the naysayers from from preventing us from doing it. Now, this software is it's been around for some time. Who developed that? I'm not sure if it's a place out of Indiana or not. Okay. I think okay. that's where I dealt with our sales right. rep when we were doing the research on it. I, there's several departments that uh, they use it across the country. We just thought it was a vital piece. We talked it over with the Fire Prevention Bureau. Like I said, it just offers them opportunities and help. Uh, it's difficult for five people to get in all these buildings. Sure. And again, it just makes us more efficient at our jobs. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it definitely sounds like like a valuable piece, and and it's like the more tools you have at your disposal, because you got to act quick. Time is of the essence in in a lot of these cases. But having the, you know, these kind of tools seems just a no brainer to me. <laughs> yes, sir. Well informed decisions is what we like to call it. We have all that information at our fingertips, and when we hit the ground at, at an incident, uh, we have enough information to start making well-informed decisions, which, again, can reduce property loss and save lives. That's right. We're talking with uh, Fire Chief Scotty Bush right here at the city of Hendersonville. We're going to take a break, and wait till you hear what we have on the other side. we got all kind of great things going on. We're going to continue our conversation with the chief right here on Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. We're back with Sumner County Spotlight. We're going to continue our conversation with Fire Chief Scotty Bush right here in Hendersonville. And with all the great technology we have, and, and a lot of this new stuff is very valuable in use and money-saving. It's like we were talking with about the Zoom uh, capabilities where you can do training and all of that, and we were talking about it. It, it seems like it's a, a great time saver. Yes, 100%. So just within the last year, again, with BOMA support, uh, they let us purchase software that we uh, have a live feed to all of our fire stations. Mm. Typically, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, uh, we brought half of our apparatus down to Station 2 for training, which took them out of their primary districts. And then we left engine companies up to cover that, but their call volume would increase times two because now you're covering two territories. So this technology affords 
affords us the opportunity for engine companies to stay in their own station while we do training classes. And if they get a call during the middle of it, you don't have to drive all the way back. Correct. You can be right there and take off. Correct. Yeah. So uh, it, it just gives a better service again to the yeah. people in the community. Uh, it cuts down on expense of driving. You know, diesel is not cheap anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to drive across town for a training class to, again, burn up diesel fuel. We're using that and reserving that to our best capabilities to try to cut costs for the city and um, try to be conscientious of that. So no electric fire trucks in the near future. Um, uh, from what I've seen, uh, I'm, I'm not so much a fan of them yet. And uh, I don't know that folks understand uh, all the retrofitting you'd have to do. And oh, man. Uh, I think it would be difficult to explain to people in our community uh, – why an engine company would quit pumping or working after six hours when the battery died on it. And why is that road sinking in every time that truck drives across it? Well, it's 500 tons. Yes, sir. These, <laughs> it's uh, all a battery. These, these engine companies are expensive, and the electric ones are even more expensive. Oh, that's crazy. Well, we know that's probably not going to happen, but uh, you know. But I think that you know, using this, uh, this software for video conferencing and training, I mean, first, you're saving gas. You're saving time. And you know, leaving the guys right there where they're supposed to be. Correct. Uh, I think it's invaluable. Now, you do these uh, once a week. Uh, uh, so it just depends. We we have mandatory training scheduled throughout the year. And you're doing that now, right? Is Correct. Going we're on? we're in the middle of uh, today's CPR. We've been doing that all week. Uh, we have to refresh or recertify every year. And so uh, we we are doing that currently right now. That's actually a hands-on class, so they mm-hmm. actually have to come in the class and show proficiency sure. uh, on our mannequins. That's one of the times they do have to come to Station 2 to do that. So let me ask you this, and it, it's been a while since I've been through the training. I know it's changed. So the CPR method, just for those that might be listening, it used to be, you know, you br- do a breath, you know, compressions, breath, compressions. Correct. It's still the same? I heard that they dropped so something. It, it changes. Uh, you okay. know, now uh, they, they want you to do compressions first. Okay. Um, I think for the lay person, and that basically means somebody who doesn't have the training, uh, they want you to concentrate on circulating the blood and the oxygenated blood that's in the body for okay. somebody who stopped breathing okay. and how the, how crucial that is to sustaining life to those organs. I think after the incident that we all saw on Monday Night Football, the importance of CPR and, and knowing that in the community. And stay tuned because we're working on something with a local stakeholder in the community, uh, the hospital, with uh, doing a um, couple of weekends where we're going to take on a large, hopefully a large group of folks to do friends and family CPR oh. using our instructors and instructors from the hospital uh, we're in the discussion phase of that right now. I tell you, you've got to have the knowledge and the training to do it, especially those that are in you know public places and have several people around. It could come in handy. Now, I notice that some places they have the what are they defibrillators AEDs. that are mounted uh, yes, different places. Yes, sir. And are, are those required at certain? establishments or not? Uh, they're not required. We okay. would encourage folks okay. to do it, uh, and we do that often. You know, anywhere where you have a large quantity of people or the potential mm-hmm. for that, it's obviously a good idea. We have them in our office there at Station 2, and then we have them on each frontline piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have that availability or option to, to uh, use those whenever needed. You know, somebody, we've had incidents where folks have pulled in to the fire station, and uh, that was the last place they got to got to before they went into cardiac arrest mm-hmm. and having those at our fingertips uh, has been very very beneficial so let me ask you this now you since you guys a lot of times would probably be on the scene i mean law enforcement might beat you there or whatever but the 
with the overdose situation that we still even have this problem but you have the the medications for the overdose narcan and uh, things like that and every every engine has that yes sir 100 percent. so the opioid crisis is real 100 percent. i mean it's anywhere you look nowadays it's uh it's coming on very very strong it's a struggle uh it's a difficult time uh, Mm -hmm. obviously because folks get a get addicted to that at such an early age we're seeing it younger and younger all the time and sometimes we're going to the same residence two and three times for overdoses police department does carry an arcan we carry an arcan it's at our fingertips a lot of times it's grant funded opportunities because it is such a pandemic across the the country sure Uh, and so we seek every opportunity to, to again hold down costs to the to the city and seek those grant funding opportunities to to receive that medication. Have you had people uh, come in? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if if they did to offer support, make a donation. Maybe they want to buy some of this stuff, or maybe they want to donate to the fire department. We've, I mean, I know it has to go through you know all the <laughs> the red <sure>. tape. <laughs> so uh, we we do have folks that do that, and typically we steer them towards what we call Learn Not to Burn, okay. uh, which is a program started several years ago when I first came in the fire service. So over thirty five years ago, and they can donate to that organization. Okay. Yeah. And so what that program is is it buys the coloring books, the helmets, the bracelets, crayons, all the things that we when we go do a pub ed event at a school or any other event that we have out. So it's not like we take the money and use it for department stuff. We give it back to the people in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say uh, it's kind of a unique time for us. I've been working with uh, one of the current uh, new aldermen, uh, Mr. Mike Martin, to create a 501c3, much like the Citizens Police Academy. And uh, we're, we're currently in working on getting that off the ground now. Okay. And uh, we're going to call it Fire Ops 101. So stay tuned for that. Nice. Uh, there's going to okay. be some information come out about that as we trudge through this process. I'm uh, getting board members now, and uh, they're going to be the folks that run it. Then you'll be able to donate to that 501c3, okay. and that money can be used much like the Citizens Police Academy for things that might be needed in the department that maybe BOMA couldn't fund. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if we can take some pressure off BOMA and fund it through the 501c3, and we've got people in the community that want to give, then we certainly would use that as an avenue to, to do that. Sure. You know, that's why I think it's so important. Young Younger kids always love when the fire department comes and does a class at school. Uh, but what you're doing is you're, you're planting that seed in them, that, that it's a great thing and it's positive and things like that. I bet you'll get a lot of folks that will come to that because of just their experience of having a firefighter come to their class and teach them these things or sure. show them CPR or show them all the, you know, all the gear. And, you know, the, you're on display at different events. You got the trucks, they climb up in there and they just love that. So you might have a pretty good thing going there. Yeah, we're, uh, we're looking forward to it. It's the first time we've ever even considered it. I think it's a, it'll be a great opportunity for us it'll be like like i said it'll mimic the citizens police academy mm-hmm. we'll come in and then teach people about what we do sure. who we are put them in gear uh who knows maybe we'll invite the great shannon to be one of our inaugural people to go through <laughs> it you know i'm telling you with everything that you guys are doing there it's not just you you got a you got a great team there now's the time couple shout outs oh man <laughs> station two station five b-shift folks uh station three b-shift yeah. folks a couple of weeks ago they dealt with that horrific accident that we had yeah. um and uh Man, I tell you, we had some folks that really, really went above and beyond. And uh, those folks deserve every accolade that they're going to get that's coming to them. The same group, I'll, I think maybe a week later, delivered a baby. So it's kind of, in the fire service, it's kind of strange how it comes full circle. One day you, you may lose a life and it's really hard to, to deal with that. 
And then the next shift, you're going to deal with bringing a, a baby into the world. Sure. And so you go from a, a very low point in your life to a very high point in your life. 36 years, I've delivered uh, or been part of delivering two babies. Just over the last year, our staff has delivered four. And I mean, I don't really <laughs> want to, I'm not one of those guys that just calls out individual folks. Yeah. All three shifts do a really fantastic job yeah. for us. And like I said, you got that great team in place, and that means a lot. As I understand, you're kind of going through accreditation right now. Yes, sir, 100%. Tell everybody what that's about. What a task. Uh, (laughs) Yes. It's a a huge undertaking. Um, But so in the fire service, and I'll say this, you know, from my standpoint of 36 years, we live in our own glass house. And so we know what we know, and we do what we do, and we think we do it all very well. But the accreditation process can show you some areas that maybe where you don't do things very well, or maybe that you're Mm -hmm. not meeting your community's expectations. Mm -hmm. Uh, We held a community stakeholder meeting. We had several folks that came to that with anonymous things at the end that they made comments about, what they liked, what they didn't like, what we can improve on. Mm -hmm. And so that accreditation looks at everything from, you know, are we meeting the community's needs, our response times, are we getting out of the stations quick enough? And it doesn't mean that our folks are not responding quick enough. It may be that we need to move a piece of equipment. So like at Station 3, the way that the station's designed, you've got the ambulance, you've got the truck company, you've got the engine company. So the station's designed on the on one side is the day room, where most of the, the daytime from 8 to 5 folks will be. Mm-hmm. So the engine company's closest to that. So they're quicker to get on the engine. At night, 2 o'clock in the morning, they've got to get up from the far side of the bunk room okay. or the building and travel past the ambulance, past the truck company, to get in the engine company and that that might mean 10 15 seconds sure so it might look at maybe moving the engine company closer to the the bunk room mm-hmm. and it's small things like that that you yeah. don't really think about that's right but that's time is is muscle when you're dealing with a cardiac event and obviously time is dollars when you're dealing with a fire event and so the quicker we can get companies on uh, on the street and get folks in the engine companies and get them out uh, the better results we can have how often does accreditation go on so it's a continual process okay. so um, <laughs> like right now we've been dealing with it for a little bit over a year and we're working towards the process of applying for accreditation we're not guaranteed to obtain that. Mm-hmm. But we're certainly working very hard, very diligently to do that. Chief Brian Fan is the accreditation manager. He's got a group of 10 to 12 people that have been working very, very hard with him to work towards this process. Yeah. And so then when we're ready, we'll go before a CPSE accreditation board. It's almost like when somebody is approved at a, at a presidential or not just a vote, but presidential appointment. I mean, we go dressed in our class A's. They look over our accreditation paperwork and what we've done. And then they shoot questions at us, and they either give us the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Now, how often do you have to get re-accredited, or once you're accredited, that's it? No, that's not. you got to go every five years oh, to go okay. back before every that five. board. All right. Wow. Uh, but you have to maintain your data and your records okay. throughout that five years. So it's not as cumbersome at the end of that five years like it is right now. So we're running around trying to collect all this data and information and making these hot maps where we're spending a lot of time on calls, things that we've never looked at before as an agency. Mm-hmm. And it just provides a higher level of information for us. So looking at it, and and I'll ask you this question, being in the community, what day of the week and what time of the week do you think that we would suffer the most calls? Jeez, well, I mean, you get people acting crazy on the weekends. <laughs> so I would think like a Saturday. Okay, which is a normal thought process, yeah, you know, not, yeah. not having the information in front of you. But yeah. after gathering the data, Tuesdays at 10 o'clock in the morning are historically over the last five years are our busiest times. Is that right? Yes, sir. Wow. And you, I love how you come up with these these numbers and you'll you'll post these, like how many calls you had, yes, sir. how many of this, that, and that. And I think it's great to see because a lot of people don't realize, they think you guys just sit there in the station yes, sir. 24 hours a day, but yes, sir. There's, you're doing so much more than that. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
Yeah. Information is uh, is key. I think folks struggle with government overreach and are concerned about government, mm-hmm. and we try to do the best we can to deliver the message of, uh, hey, this is what we're doing. Uh, I mean, I, I think the last one I put out was we ran 8,500 calls last year, and then inside, internally, we did over 30-something thousand hours of uh, training. And that's uh, not just in-house training. That's sure. sending folks to schools. They're getting outside the realm of the city of Hendersonville and yeah. seeing what other agencies do. Yeah. All right. Real quick before we go, you guys are so impressive with this ISO rating. Yes, sir. And we're getting ready to come up again February twenty first. All right. Now we were at a three. Now we're going for we hope for two, if not a one. Yeah. So we go the other way. Yes, sir. So the lower the number, the better. That is correct. But you're almost there. Yes, sir. We're working hard. I think it's going to happen. I hope so. I feel it. I feel it. I hope so. (laughs) We're sending vibes out right now. (laughs) And that's not an easy thing to obtain either. No, sir. That's a a lot of work going involved with that on top of everything else we're doing. And, you know, the joke around the offices is when we get a chance, we're going to take a break. And (laughs) we feel like that we've been going full throttle for the last eight to nine years. Wow. Well, all I can say is you guys are doing great things. You're impressing a lot of people. And uh, I know the city loves you guys. So we we appreciate you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Keep up the hard work, and we're gonna just keep praying for you. Thank you. I know sir. how hard of the job it is. Again, so. I just appreciate the opportunity to be before people and yourself and uh, WHAN for giving us this chance. Well, we appreciate you. Been talking with Fire Chief Scotty Bush with the Hendersonville Fire Department right here. But hey, we got more coming, so stick around for more of Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. Well, welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. Uh, Jeff Shannon here. Listen, um, you know, the market, the housing market, has just been crazy. And those of you have been in it, either trying to buy, even renting, building, whatever you're going to do, you know how crazy the last couple of years have been. I met this young feller over here, and I said, man, you have a lot of knowledge. So why not have you come in and let's talk about it? Of course, we are talking about the ever-famous or infamous Ed Andrews, and he's with Exit Realty right here in Hendersonville. And we wanted to also bring in... Heather Deverman, and she uh, has some input that's going to blow you away when we start talking about numbers and such. So, Ed, Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So, why don't we kick? Let's kick it off, Ed. Just give them a little background uh, on yourself and the the realty company. Sure. Well, thanks, Jeff. And again, we're glad to be here. Actually, I am a Hendersonville native. Uh, our family moved here in 1964, so obviously, Hendersonville was a whole lot different in 1964. Dirt was a lot less expensive back then. It was considerably (laughs) less expensive. You know, it was a great place to grow up. Went to school here, was always excited, loved Hendersonville. Obviously, as a child, fishing with my dad and Uh uh, spending time here. But life went on and kind of grew up, got married, have a wife and two kids and five grandkids and three great-grandkids. So it's uh, been been an adventure, to say the least. Oh, absolutely. I found myself about uh, 25 years ago. So uh, at any rate, I was in transportation business, and we did a uh, merger, and part of the merger was that there was no nepotism. So Janie and I (laughs) worked together in that business, and so she had to find something to do. Okay. She chose real estate. Okay. Twelve years later, after she hassled me for 12 years... She finally convinced me to join her in the business, which okay. was great. And yeah. that was 25 years ago that I joined her. Yeah. And okay. it's been awesome. We've certainly seen everything. It's been a lot of fun. And we you've actually, watched Hendersonville grow like crazy since oh, then. It, wow. It, it's, it's unbelievable, actually. Mm. 
uh, yeah, when we actually we we started together mainly in new construction. We worked for a broker in White House at the time, mm-hmm. and he was a developer. So we had baptism by fire uh, from that standpoint with new construction. And so we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, both in you know both in sales and both in the glory days. So sure. Well, been you've been awesome. here. You were here when the Johnny Cash Conway days and. Tammy and George and the whole crew. Absolutely. Yeah. That, Absolutely. that was the good times. It yeah. was some good times. And uh, we got a rich heritage here in Hendersonville and the Sumner County. And I couldn't think of a better market that I would rather be in, both the good times and the bad times, mm-hmm. than what we've had here in Hendersonville and Sumner County. Yeah. Been great. I mean, just, I mean, we've been here since 2016. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, the growth is is still happening and you know you have a lot of commercial coming in which is good right got to have rooftops though right so we and this is obviously the place everybody wants to come right and and sumner county is pretty fruitful you know for people to come to because it has so many great things the right. school system you know your law enforcement your your governments and things like that are doing such great things and of course then we have you know some great realty companies to help guide these folks into what they need to do next we do, and it's a great privilege. As a matter of fact, we bought our first exit franchise in 2007. Great timing. We just couldn't be so, uh, had such great foresight as to what was coming. And then 08 happened. Yeah, well, we, opened, we physically opened our doors January 1 of 08 in Gallatin. That was our first okay. franchise we bought was in Gallatin. Okay. And then late 2008, in September, we were able to negotiate for the Hendersonville exit franchise. And so that was kind of the real birth, if you will, in the uh, launching pad for Exit mm-hmm. Real Estate Solutions. So it, it was a hard time, but you know it was a good time to yeah. learn and grow. So what was it like back there when you first, you know, got this this company uh, going here in Hendersonville, and you, you know, you look at the market, which is totally crazy for what it is now, but it was pretty crazy back then. <laughs> it it was obviously it had. Like most of the markets, it had been on a rocket ship, actually, from 2000, actually from 2001, from 9-11, actually, up until 2006. It was crazy. It was probably the strongest growth period that we had had in 40 years. Do you remember what the interest rates were back then? Well, (laughs) in 2006, they were in the four and fives. Okay. So I closed on my home in 2006 at 4.25 interest rate, and our title company said it's the lowest rate they had closed in uh, many, many years. So obviously, back then... Yeah. Four and a quarter was a really good rate. Average was probably around six. Kind of put okay. that in perspective of how people panic now. Well, I don't feel as bad. Six percent. We we just locked one in in, in July at four seven five. So and everybody's going. You need to take that because oh, I'm yeah. thinking. Oh, that's oh, yeah. God, we got to get lower than that. Uh, Not going to happen. But uh, we we did luckily because he said the next week the Fed was jumping it. So absolutely. there we go. So we got it the right time. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you know, it, it, and I know we'll probably dwell more on this later, but interest rates and all the other fundamentals right now are still good. Mm-hmm. It's just that what we grow accustomed to when they get down to 2%, 2.5%, and then they work their way back up into a 6 or 7%, people freak out. Sure. But uh, realistically, 
Interest rates are still good, and the fundamentals are extremely strong. And I was just going to mention, um, I was just going to mention that it's probably not even the interest rate that scares people; it's the rate that it doubled. Right. It, you know, so, the rate that it doubled so yeah, quickly right. is the reason that I think people get scared. Right. Sure. Yeah, because actually we're seeing that now, uh, kind of change, and people are starting to acclimate to that. And, okay. Okay. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. So. You get used to it. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully, it doesn't change drastically in the upward direction <laughs> you know i don't think there are really any indi- indicators from whether it's the the banks or the mortgage lenders or anyone else one of our lenders told us and and we're seeing it true by the way mm-hmm. your interest rates follow the inflation rate not dollar for dollar mm-hmm. not percent percent but realistically when you see inflation go up interest rates go up when inflation start coming down interest rates. We have seen almost weekly uh, some small downtick in interest rates over the last 45 days. Okay. And we're seeing it start trickle down. So I think we're going to continue to see that. So Heather, you kind of watch this stuff. Uh, I I do. I do watch it. So um, I've been in real estate for 28 years. Uh Um, I do a lot of commercial real estate. I do residential as well. But yeah, being in commercial real estate, I definitely follow just all the developments that have happened here in Hendersonville. I follow everything that developments that are happening in okay. Sumner County. Um, but yes, watching interest rates, following statistics, um, all the numbers, that's me all every day. Well, I think it's good to know this, you know, what's going on out there. And people that have bought property or looking to buy property, uh, whether commercial or residential, you got to have the knowledge. You have to have you know, and, and you guys, I've always been impressed. Uh, Kathy LaCroix is with you guys. Yes. And, mm-hmm. you know, she has just been really stellar about oh, yeah. coming to, like, the one of the Chambers Leads meetings. She'll throw some numbers, and people are going, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. But you guys follow all that. We do follow that. You know, what, part of the thing with Exit, um, one of our biggest pillars of our company is training. So we're training agents when they're brand new in real estate or if they've been in real estate for a long time, we just want to constantly educate and train the agents so that they can educate the public so everybody can mm-hmm. make you know good decisions yeah. for their families. Yeah, you got to have some ammo when you go out there. The and I think a lot of the buyers, and especially their first time, or maybe they don't have a lot of experience buying, right. you, you got to teach them the process and doing that. And you, you guys are set up to do that. And I was really impressed, Ed, that you had that training facility in your office. I mean, you have a whole like classroom with all AV. I mean, it's it's decked yeah. out pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, it, I think it's probably around eight or 900 square foot mm-hmm. training room but again that's kind of what heather said is you know jeff when we started in 08 we actually had six agents today we're at about 88 agents really wow but as as heather mentioned that comes because of that i mean we really do believe this first we have an obligation as realtors to be professional to be trained to have the tools that it takes to truly represent what in most cases are people's single largest investment and the only way you can do that is to be educated to be trained and to have knowledge and again as heather said one of our other main pillars is our technology and our tools and that technology is understanding all of these statistics and understanding really what's happening and how then do we format those things around client needs to a point they make the decision we don't make the decision our job is to get them the information realistically where we can represent them and then let them make an informed decision because it is huge it's a it's it's a big deal the real estate industry has led the economy out of most mm-hmm. of the major recessions since 1932. And so for us, it's not just a, a living, if you will. It truly is. Sure. For most of us, it's a calling. 
Well, I will tell you this, that you have to get an experienced real estate agent. 100%. I mean, it, it, someone that has the knowledge and has can get a hold of the stats. And you guys seem to have, if an agent needed something, you'd have it for them just that quick. In a second. And every month we're sharing all this information with mm-hmm. our agents. On our wall, it says, good agents are born, but great agents are trained. So that is like our <laughs> mantra. It's something we believe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the agents that are going, sitting in front of, you know, everybody at their kitchen tables are, you know, aware of the market. They know their numbers. They know how to best to write contracts and how to handle their clients. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many facets to this. And I I was blown away by it. Uh, The knowledge that that an agent has to have just from meeting somebody for the first time and taking them all the way through the end. Yeah, you're a guide all the way through. There's a lot of knowledge you have to you have to teach your client this, and you got to have an agent that first of all understands it. Right. Exactly, it, especially a few like a year ago. You know, if we're thinking about just back a year ago when we were in a situation with multiple offers, home selling in zero days or negative days, like in a yeah. matter of hours, you needed to know how to write your contracts to best help your buyers. Um, get those offers accepted and the way you had to do that was you need to know about escalation clauses you need to know pass fail inspections you need to know all like the tips and the tricks that would help make your offer stand out compared to somebody else's so you really needed those agents to be well trained sure and and um, let me tell you i I know that (laughs) because there's a lot of things that an experienced agent would know that somebody who is maybe not as serious you know weekend warrior kind of thing are not knowledgeable enough to really get into the you get down in, in into the foxhole right. you gotta you gotta fight and you gotta know a ways around it you gotta know loopholes and special tricks and mm-hmm. and things that, that a lot maybe just like i said the weekend warriors might mm-hmm. not know and well that's that's also one of the reasons why honestly when we interview agent first thing we do is we try to get to know the person not just their desire to do real estate because mm-hmm. a lot of people would love to do real estate get to know them their as best you can their integrity their history are they set up in a position, if you will, I think mentally and financially to be able to invest the time and the resources to educate themselves to a point that they truly do have the knowledge? Sure. Does anyone ever have all the answers? In fact, is they don't. You know, again, as a broker, owner, practitioner, I still learn every day, as does Heather. We collaborate a lot of times. I'll have something and I feel like I know the right answer. I'll bounce off her and say, let me run this by you. Get your thoughts. Sure. Because again, what we share with our agents is what they share with their clientele. And so we learn from each other's experiences as well. It's just a, a great forum to be able to do Absolutely. That. Well, having the experience really makes a difference. We're going to find out more about that on the next segment. We're talking with Ed Andrews with Exit Realty and Heather Deverman right here. And when do you hear what we're going to talk about next? Stick around. You're going to want to hear this, I'm telling you. So we'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. And we're back with Sumter County Spotlight on the Sunday morning. Jeff Shannon, your illustrious host, <laughs> whatever that means. Anyway, we're going to continue our conversation. Uh, we're talking real estate. We're talking about the market. We're talking about all of these great things that have been going on in the housing business. We're going to talk some numbers. We're going to talk about some tricks maybe, and the importance of having an experienced agent helping you through this process. And of course, we're talking with Ed Andrews and Heather Deverman with Exit Real Estate Solutions right here in Hendersonville on Maple Row, which I love that name. 
beautiful. I just that that stretch back there is just kind of cool, and they're building some stuff back there now, right? They, they are actually. There's only, to my knowledge, there's only one now available commercial building lot on that road, and then it's going to be a hundred percent full of professional businesses. Yeah, no, which is awesome. Great spot, yeah. right there, close to Kroger. Right behind the Kroger. Right close to Burger King. There you go. <laughs> Regions, yes. Yeah, it's all right there. But, you know, earlier we were talking uh, the, the forecast uh, of the market, mm-hmm. you know, and things change. We, we know that that's just a, a thing in, in your business. It's just a constant change. Nothing stays the same, right? right? And looking forward into 2023, what does it appear that it's what's going to happen during this time frame? Sure. Well, obviously, the best thing we can do is what we obviously do every year, and that is obviously first do a lot of analytics. Uh, we spent a tremendous amount of time in December actually doing our business plan for the following year. And that comes from looking at what the National Association of Realtors thinks going to happen, what HUD thinks going to happen with other professionals like market graphics and different ones that we obviously look at what their projections are. Mm-hmm. Then we spent a lot of time with industry leaders inside the real estate industry looking at what their forecasts are looking at what the mortgage companies feel like, the collaboration of all of those to try to get a feel for it. I was just going to piggyback on that, talking like some statistics. Zillow, they ranks Nashville the fifth hottest real estate market in the country right now. This is reports that came out just January, so last month. Um, U-Haul, they do like a growth index, and they said that Nashville ranks, or Tennessee ranks number six in the country for most moves ins and outs. And then Open Door, Middle Tennessee, has three of the top 20 zip codes in the country for people searching for homes. Gallatin, right here in Sumner County, mm-hmm. ranked number seven for the hottest emerging market in the Is country. Is that right? That's right. Wow. Gallatin. Wow. And um, the never, number 17 overall in the country. So emerging market, Gallatin was number seven. And Gallatin's number 17 overall in the country for places that people are looking. Wow. Um, just as FYI, number one was Clarksville, hottest zip code. And Murfreesboro was number 10. So interesting that where everybody kind of falls in well, line, but three of the hottest zip codes are in Tennessee. Well, up there in Clarksville, either they're getting a lot more people coming into the military or they're the heading LG to Austin plant. P. Oh, yeah, but there are huge, huge, um, big factories coming into Clarksville and huge development projects. Like Clarksville wow. is booming, expanding, right. growing. That's, all that's great. Yeah. Industrial, commercial, yes. And, and that kind of goes back, Jeff, to what you said is what do we see and how we see it. And that's kind of what Heather and I spent a lot of time on when we're doing these things is we look at the national projections, but then we turn around and we look at the regional. Mm-hmm. And actually, our market, when you look at all the towns, and we look at it, they, which cities are anticipated mm-hmm. to have the most negative impact during the downturn and which one has the least. Tennessee, and very specifically, Middle Tennessee, is at the very top of the list of the ones that are likely to see the very least impact if any of the market downturn and so we're a place to be it is we're still hot still desirable absolutely Mm -hmm. they must Uh, know heather lives here yeah that's Uh, it something (laughs) there we go (laughs) yes so uh you know we're anticipating based on we've had phenomenal both not just number growth you know, housing value growth. I think the values, in fact, I think Heather's got yeah, some very specific. In fact, the, for this was as of January, so last month, com- and compared to last year, the okay. same time last yep. year. So right now, in Sumner County, single-family homes only, um, the average sales price for a single-family home 
in Sumner County is $555,000, $555,150, which is up 18% since last January. So the average sales price has gone up since last year. Wow. The median sales price, so the median sales price is four thirty-five, but still up nine percent since last year. Wow. Yes. And um, one other fact that people loved, you know, people don't know exactly if we put our home on the market, we price it a certain price point, are we gonna get what we ask? Are we gonna get above? You know, what's the expectation? Mm -hmm. So as of last month, people were getting ninety-seven point six percent of their asking price. So people aren't coming in with low balls. People are still, you put the home on the market for five hundred thousand, you're gonna get around five hundred thousand. So that's it's a strong market here. Yeah, if somebody really wants it, then you're fifty thousand over asking. That's, yeah, yes, we're and they were taking. They we were are taking seeing them. some multiple yeah. offers again. We are Heck seeing yeah. it just recently. Right. Oh, wow. And, and compared to nationwide, by the way, on average, they are predicting on average that for 2023 that we will see anywhere from an eight to 12% decline through the downturn and expecting that the uptick in that will really come in the fourth quarter where that will start to elevate. But in our market, as Heather said, we're still holding good. Obviously, we're not getting the number of contracts. We're not getting the number of transactions that we were getting for people to kind of get over this culture shock with yeah. the yeah. interest rates. But that's starting to tick the right way, too. So. So yeah. if some, somebody wanted to, to move, would you would you tell them to wait, hold off a few months, or go ahead? Absolutely you know, go not. Go ahead and sell. It's a good time. Absolutely not. In fact, the month's supply of inventory right now, as of January, was 2.4 months of inventory, which is super low. Historically, a good market like okay. is like six, six months, months of in, right. six months of inventory, and we only are 2.4 right. um, months supply. Okay. So how, there's very little on the um, market, and there's a lot of people looking. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people looking. So we still have that shortage of yeah. housing. So is it, uh, is, are we still looking at the offers situation? Well, I'm going to hold off, see if I get a better offer, you know, that kind of thing. Because it was pretty hot, you know, I back think, a year or so ago. I but. think, I hate to say this, but that, uh, that's a very general statement. It absolutely has to do with, and I know hopefully we're going to get into that in a little bit, but it has to do with the specific house, too, because if mm -hmm. you've got a, a home where the sellers have prepared it to sell and they've done the things that make it desirable, there's no reason to hold off as far as selling, and there's no reason to hold off as far as buying. You know, the thing about it is right now, prices are not skyrocketing like they were. So if you're wanting to sell and you're wanting to buy, it's a great time because you're still getting, as Heather said, 97, 98% of your asking price you're getting. Mm -hmm. And the ones you're buying right now, that competition that you had when you had the people coming in and spending mm -hmm. that 40, 50, 60, 100,000 over yeah. <laughs> uh you're not dealing with that right now we're not okay. having that we are getting back into multiple offers but we're not getting into those bidding wars Correct. and a lot of your industrial buyers have slowed down so they're not putting that pressure on okay. so that's good <laughs> yeah it is it is so i mean wow. it's it's really and truly it's it's a good time it's a good time sellers are um, a little bit more negotiable buyers are asking for things again like okay. home inspections home warranties um, closing, closing costs, costs yeah. stuff like that. So for a buyer, it's a good time because it's more traditional buying time. So it's yeah. a really good cycle. Good. And spring market started, like usually I always right. like to say Super Bowl Sunday is the start of the spring market, which that's right around the corner. Um, but we really, since January, as right. soon as um, the holidays were over, like things have been busy again. I think yeah. the fairest thing to say, Jeff, which should be encouraging to everybody no matter what, we're back in a normal market. Yeah. Okay. And a normal, healthy market is healthy for everybody. You know, if you're the seller and you're getting that 40, 50 over, 
that sounds exciting and great, but as we've already pointed out, where are you going to go? What are you going to get? That's right. Well, that's changed. It's yeah. more of a level playing field. It's fair, you know, for the buyers and it's fair for the sellers. For the last two years, the first time home buyers and the, if you will, the move up, the folks that, you know, are starting to have kids and things, they've been shut out of the market. They've been completely shut out mm-hmm. because they really could not compete. Well, today there are homes now that they can qualify for, that they can buy. And a lot of people, you know, of course, again, are, are holding off on the interest rate. But the beautiful thing about interest rates, we've seen this forever. Interest rates go up, they come down. Mm-hmm. Home prices in our area have not gone down significantly since 2012. Okay. Ever since 2012, it's been a steady increase, almost 30% value increase since 2013 to where we are now. Wow. And so that's phenomenal. And that has slowed to like very minimal, comparatively speaking. So now the market's opened up for people that have been shut out for almost 24 months. So first-time homebuyers, and I know a few of those, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what would you recommend that they do? So I was just going to say there was a 2022 profile of homebuyers that was done. And the average age of a first-time homebuyer you're not going to believe this, is 36 years old Wow! for average age. And they said the reason for that is housing's expensive. You have to save longer for that down payment, or you need like generational wealth, somebody to give you some money in order to buy that first house. Mm -hmm. So that the average age of a typical repeat buyer is 59 years old, and the average age of a U.S. home seller is 60 years old. You think a first-time home buyer, you're thinking mid-20s. At least mm-hmm. I think I bought my first home when I was early 20s. Yeah. It just, it's it's a different market. It's a different right. time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it's if they're looking, and especially if you get maybe people come in from other states and want to move here to be close to the grandparents, I'm working on that myself right now, mm-hmm. um, to try to get everybody closer together right. and, and coming in and doing it. You know, it's, it's good to be scary because it's the first time they're doing something mm-hmm. like that. But I guess having folks like yourself walk them through this so they're not feeling a lot of that pressure, and you can educate them more so than any time before. Right. So. I think that's the other thing, too. All real estate is local. People get most of their information off the Internet from the mainstream media, if you will, and they hear about how bad this is or how high this is or whatever. That's why it's so critical to know what's going on locally Locally. not 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 how horrible it is if you will in you know the midwest or what's happening in different areas where they are suffering uh with a lot of the negativity in the housing market we're not we're not really dealing with that volatility here we have a very stable market and a very healthy market and i think that's important for people to know so if somebody's getting ready to to sell a house Mm -hmm. what are couple of tips that you would give them okay you want to make this curb appeal we're talking curb appeal maybe they're going to do an upgrade you know what are some of the areas they should concentrate and not waste their money on other things that aren't gonna make any difference i was just gonna say the very first thing that i always tell sellers (laughs) when you're walking up to the home you know while the realtor is trying to work get them in the home with the key key box 
those buyers are looking all around that front door, the front door entryway. So the first thing I say is make sure there's no cobwebs. Sweep your little front porch. If your handle's loose on your front door, make sure that's tightened. It's that first impression that means everything. So there's, it takes like two or three minutes to get in that front door. And buyers tend to come in looking for reasons not to buy. And if you, there's any objections, just going in the home, it might not start off as good sure. showing. So yeah, that's yeah. like a number one tip. Make sure your front yeah. entryway is as good as it can get. And your first impression. First impression that was, yeah, is everything. Absolutely. Yeah, no question. Where should they spend their money, though? Money is definitely kitchen and baths. That's always been the thing. Right. Kitchens and baths sell homes. Everyone has different tastes and different styles. You can go online and go on Pinterest to get good ideas of what to do. You know, whether it's just replacing a countertop or painting your kitchen cabinets or doing a major overhaul, you'll always get your money back for kitchens and baths all day long. Again, you only get one shot at that. I don't have a statistic. Heather may have it. It's an amazing, I mean, it's like in the 65 to 70 percentile. Buyers are not really coming to do anything other than confirm what they've seen on the internet. They mm-hmm. see what you project it to be. Is it really that? Unfortunately, photography can do a lot of really good things and a lot Absolutely. of really bad things. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing when we are working with sellers is to say, basically, people spend a lot of time on HGTV, on the internet, looking at different things. Be sure that first, the things you can control without spending a lot of money are there. Have it clean, have it tidy, have your mulch fresh, have your... Mm-hmm bushes trim do those things that when they pull up out front they have a reason to go inside and confirm what they think they're getting so wrapping it up right now how would they get a hold of you all oh best way to get a hold of like to get a hold of our office you know we're right there by kroger on maple row 111 maple row our office number is 615 826-0001. It's pretty easy to find too we're very easy to find if they go to the kroger drive through they cannot help but see our office. That's right, yeah. And you're on social media as well? We are very much on social okay. media. Our website is exitrealestatesolutions.com. Mm-hmm. And we are full service, by the way. We do residential real estate. We have a commercial division. We have a relocation division. Okay. So That's good. we're... Full service. service. We have auction options for them. So we're absolutely full service right. and literally have hundreds and hundreds of years experience. Uh, we've got <laughs> agents literally been with us for uh, been with us for 15 years, but yeah. we also have agents who've been in the business. Many of them have been in the business 30 years plus. So. Yeah. Truly, I was just going to say everybody that's at our office all has that spirit to serve. We just want to help people, make people you know, find out whatever their real estate goals are, help them achieve their goals. That's, that's great. Yeah, so this has been incredible. There's so much information out there. I mean, gosh, I guess we can we could probably do a half a day talking about this because it's so complex. But we're talking with the uh, incredible Ed Andrews and Heather Deverman with Exit Realty Solutions here in Hendersonville. Guys, thank you so much for spending thank the time you. coming and talking to us. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you much. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this segment of Summer County Spotlight. I'm your host, Jeff Shannon. Join me again next Sunday at 10 o'clock right here for more of Sumner County Spotlight. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.